0: Welcome back to the Outskirts Podcast with Tanner and Friends. We are so pleased to present our second annual Halloween series. It's going to be a multi-episode ordeal, and like all good stories, these tales are haunted. We begin this spooky story fest in the decade that gave birth to many of our first real fears. Entering junior high in the early 90s, was like attending school in a Billy Joel song. Yeah, that one. And while we certainly did not start the fire, we were witness to all of it. Images of nuclear missiles, machine guns, sledgehammers and concrete wall fragments, exploding space shuttles. And I want
1: to say something to the schoolchildren of America who were watching the live coverage of the shuttle's takeoff.
0: Tanks rolling across a desert on fire. Indeed, for the innocents caught in this conflict, I pray for their safety. An entire continent of people dying from a virus. The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. For a 7th grader in 1991, the lead singer of Queen's Flash Into the Consciousness was demarcating that mercurial voice encouraging us to somehow hear and see the beauty in the chaotic silhouetto of a man and a world convulsing just before he too died seemingly before our very eyes on channel one And even though we'd been primed to embrace the grungy love songs to gloom, which filled the nihilistic vacuum of the death of all our gods, we still felt the wrongness, and many still cried, when Kurt Cobain took his life with a shotgun. By the time we entered high school, we were traumatized. Some of us were hardened, others perhaps softened, but all of us were haunted. There's a concept in psychology called projection. Basically, it's a defense mechanism by which a person, confronted by their inner monsters and desiring to be rid of them, begins to see them apart from themselves, relocates them. And so, like any evicted persona, without the means to get a mortgage or pay rent, I mean, kind of hard to get work without a body, where else can a ghost go? But the once grand, long vacant, and now condemned house. In the town of my youth, the most haunted small town in America, there were more than a couple such houses in which a ghost could take up residence. But the one we all knew about, the one that still gives you a chill when you drive slowly by on an autumn night, almost brave enough to allow your periphery to home in on the second story window. In Alton, Illinois, in the 1990s, that house was, and according to our next storyteller, still is, the McPike Mansion. How are you?
1: I'm all right. <laughs>
0: okay, I appreciate you doing this.
1: That's okay. So My pleasure.
0: Oh, great. Um, are you there now? No, you said it's it's been condemned, right? The mansion?
1: Oh, I can go across the street to the house. I mean, yes, it is condemned, but yes, I can go across there. I can what walk you... across. Let me get my keys and I'll walk across. Okay. I'm just across the street from the mansion actually. Cool.
0: So you're in Alton, Illinois? Alton is often referred to as one of the most haunted cities or small towns in America. I wonder why that is. What do you think?
1: Um, Well, there's some theories about that. One, we're uh, right along the Mississippi River. You know, water is a conductor. So that's one thought. Also, there's a lot of limestone. You know, limestone is very porous. And so part of the theory is that it holds psychic residue or whatever. Also... You know we were kind of like right on the border with the civil war so halton is part of a lot of the the underground railroad and uh there's there well as there probably still is actually various tunnels and and things like that uh, like in the enos apartments there you can go there's a place that goes underneath the street where people were held and different things like that so there's really a couple of theories about it actually but I do think it is probably one of the most haunted small towns in America.
0: Well, you have some interesting, an interesting relationship to that lore, being the owner of the McPike Mansion.
1: Well, I do want to say I did not know it was haunted when I bought it. I was not excited when I found out. I've never dealt with the paranormal before this, so I had no clue about anything. And um, I'm basically a big chicken. So I don't watch scary movies. I don't wa- I don't even watch Ghost Adventures. I don't watch any of it. It was kind of a big transition for me to even think about it. You know, it was a very, very impulsive buy as far as that goes. Um, our daughter was a freshman in high school. And we kept driving by seeing the, the auction sign. And so the day of the auction, I called my husband and said, Honey, come on home, I want to go to this auction. We won the bid at 42000 Our daughter said, Mom, do you realize what you just did? We're going to eat bread and water for the next 10 years, and I won't get to go to college. So the good news is she's done with college, and we only eat bread and water on Wednesdays now. <laughs> I had a dream about my grandmother who had passed on, and in the dream, it was very vivid. I could see her very vividly in this blue dress, And um, I said, oh, Grandma, you know, I don't know. I I put my family here in financial ruin, you know. Uh, I wasn't teaching full-time at that time. So in the dream, she says, it will be okay. So I trust my grandmother. So I went, okay. Anyway, that's kind of how we bought it. So this gal called me about four days or so after the auction and said, you know, it's haunted. and And if you're dreaming about them, they're already bothering you. And so uh, I was really like creeped out, honestly and truly. I used to walk in and go, listen you guys, you better not scare me because if you scare me, I'm out of (laughs) here. I would just say that out loud many times. I had a good friend who's passed on, her name was Flo. She was a psychic and um, I think she helped me with a lot of understanding and that type of thing. Sharon, why did you want to buy the place?
0: What attracted you to it?
1: I have no idea. I just liked old houses. That's really what it was. It uh, it was an old house. I liked old houses. You know, this guy said you could get grants to fix it up, so I believed him, which is not really the truth, but no, I don't know. It's just, I think I had seen this house earlier on, like in the 80s, actually, and I was attracted to it then, but I mean, I certainly didn't think I needed a big house to live in, you know, but I think I just liked old houses and just wanted to fix it up. I don't know. Like I said, it was very, very impulsive. It's funny, though, because a lot, a lot of people are drawn to this property over the years. You know, people come and say all the time, you know, I really have always loved this property. I just feel drawn to it. It's strange, really, I think kids used to break in all the time or they'd have beer parties in the cellar or whatever like that, even before we owned it. And um, this one guy told us he came up here by himself and he said they used to go in, they'd feel cold spots and stuff like that. He said, one day I came up here by myself. He walked down the north side of the house. He looked up, he saw a lady in white in the window. (laughs) He said, I never came back after that.
0: (laughs) When I was in high school, a group of my friends had come in through the cellar uh-huh. and then gone up, and maybe to the second floor. One of them almost fell through right. the floor. They were hearing things, and and this would right. have been. This sounds like it would have been after you owned it. Were you aware that it was still one of the places that teenagers would sneak to at night?
1: Yes, yes, we experienced teenagers. Sometimes, I remember these, I think these were kids, they broke in, and and I'm like, Henry, if they come back, just scare the crap out of me. <laughs> um, I remember more at the beginning, it seemed like there were weirder stuff, like the, maybe the first five years or so, or ten years, I don't know. It seemed like there were more weird type people that came. And even though we lived right next door, you know, we're not up here at three in the morning. And it was really pretty easy to break in, actually, at that particular time. Yeah. But I mean, I can remember coming in the house. People did break in, and you could tell, you know, they did some occult stuff. So that did happen. What kind Um, of things did you see? You know, like I found a pentagram one time. Oh, these two guys. I felt really, really uncomfortable with these guys. Um, So I used to call Phil then, and she'd say, well you know, put some garlic around the house, sprinkle salt, like sea salt around the house, that type of thing. You know, that kind of wards off evil spirits because people can bring stuff with them also. The first thing that happened to me was I walked into this one room over to the side there and I tripped on some boards and bricks and I felt a tug on the sign of my warmup jacket. And um, that wasn't scary. It was like, what was that? You know what I mean? So actually, they were trying to keep me from falling. And Flo always said, you know, like they like you. They, you know, <laughs> I'm like okay. Well, so that was kind of the first thing that happened to me. About seven weeks or so after we bought the house, I came up here to water some plants and feed the birds because we didn't live next door then. And as I walked between the trees, I got this big chill. And I looked up and I saw a man in the window, the second story window. And I went, oh, my gosh, am I really seeing that? So I walked over to the bird feeder and I looked up again and I saw a man with a striped shirt and tie. So those were kind of my first experiences. You know, not not too many scary things have actually happened. Um, I think that they're generally good spirits. You know, I've been touched and. In the cellar but like someone put their hand on my cheek or someone put their hand on my shoulder one time i got poked in the back but nothing bad or anything like that you know well when you pull up you see a really big front yard with trees and the building actually sits back away from the street it's a three-story mansion it's second empire italianate with mansard roof it really is very I would say stately and uh, beautiful, and it sits among these trees. Henry was a horticulturist. He was a charter member of the Horticulture Society in the state of Illinois. Who's Henry? Henry Gassmick Pike is one of the spirits, but the owner of the house. This was a week ago. These two friends were up from Texas and they were sitting across the way and we were talking about politics, which I don't usually talk about, but they're from Texas. So I wanted to ask them about the border and that kind of thing. So all of a sudden we hear this big crash, like right above my head. It sounded like a big part of plaster ceiling fell or a bunch of bricks or it was very loud. I got up because I was afraid it was gonna fall on my head actually. And Becky said she saw the plaster dust coming down, and so, I mean, it was traumatic. It was very, very loud. So we decided we had to go upstairs and check it out, you know, to see what that was. And also, you know, you sometimes wonder, well, is there really someone up there? Okay, so we went up to the second floor. Actually, um, her friend, you know, in Texas, everybody carries a gun, right? Are you from Texas? That's
0: that's the rumor. Yeah. <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs>
1: Okay. Well, anyway, so we went upstairs. You know, and it was dark. I mean, we're not talking about during the daytime. It was nighttime, and we went into the room, the blue room, and we checked around, and nothing was disturbed. Nothing, nothing had fallen. Nothing. But it would just would have made you jump out of your skin. I'm telling you, it was that loud.
0: So it sounds like Henry did not appreciate your discussion. <laughs> <laughs> So how many ghost shows have been through the place?
1: Um, Several. The first one was actually various places on Earth. And we've been on Ghost Facts or Fiction and Ghost Lab and Ghost Adventures.
0: You said you uh, were uncomfortable with the way that Ghost Adventures handled their investigation? How'd they behave and what did they claim to find?
1: Um, Well, I think they took elements of truth and... Exaggerated them like they made it seem demonistic, and I, you know, it's not that way. And our friend Jerome Minks did not morph into a demon really. And
0: I haven't seen the show, so (laughs) what do you mean someone didn't morph into a demon? What's the story?
1: We had a friend, Jerome Minx, who's passed on now also, and he would do a characterization of Henry Guest McPike, which was really, really, really awesome. It was about 15 minutes long, but but he dressed up like Henry, and he would do this at our tours, and um, he was very, very good. He had the whole thing memorized, everything. You know, they could have taken two minutes of what he said, but instead, they had him go into the kitchen, and in... Ghost Adventures. It appears as if Henry morphed into a demon. I mean, to me, that was stupid.
0: That was a special effect they added. Is
1: that what you're saying? Yeah, and they had actors come and and do certain things, and I don't know. They just made up stuff. They they made it up. They. I mean, like I said, they took elements of truth, and they just wanted just it to seem like it. they did the same thing at Mineral Springs Mall, where they made it seem like everything was, you know, demonistic. You know, like, they went up on the second floor. They're yelling at the spirits. It's been
0: too long since I kicked a ghost,
1: Seth. Stuff like that. And I would say it was very disrespectful to the spirits. And really, what it is about is respect. You know, these spirits are here. They like to communicate with people. They like people coming around. They don't want to be disrespected any more than you and I want to be disrespected.
0: We're here. We're ethereal. Get used to it.
1: (laughs) And the guys were real nice to talk to. You know, Zach's the boss, so, you know, when he comes on the scene, everybody says, how high do you want me to jump?
0: When they packed up and left, was there any fallout?
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, I think they left something. So they were here, like, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We had a tour on Saturday, and there was something that happened at that tour that doesn't normally happen and it's like I had a like a feeling about it. I said, Sandy, we need to go in the cellar and smudge before the tour. Which we did do yeah, we did. But then something happened that scared a young girl very much. And um so then we went back in and smudged a lot heavier after that. What happened? Um, she just got really scared and I can't even describe it because she just felt like she was being harmed in some way. That's how it felt to her, Um, like someone was uh, hurting her. I mean, her mom and dad were there. She was like 12. I was sitting actually right behind her. But when you're young, you're very open. So now I always felt like they left something. I did feel like that. But they were very disrespectful. Actually, a bat flew at them on the second floor. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but i've never seen a bat up there <laughs> anyway a bat flew out them and they came running down the stairs.
0: <laughs> tough guys
1: they deserved it I, funny. in my opinion i always say the nicest thing about owning mcpike mansion is meeting all the nice people i've met people from all over the united states you know australia I think somebody was here from Thailand, uh, Japan, England, you know. So, really, I mean, I feel very, very fortunate in that way.
0: It's, people are fascinated with, with ghosts and the supernatural. At least I think normal people are. I'm always baffled by people
1: who have no interest. <laughs> like this one guy came one time and he said, well, I'm on a business trip and I could have gone to Cancun, but I, I came to St. Louis or wherever, he said, because... said i want to see mcpike mansion i went well i think i would have gone to cancun myself but okay but anyway so no i mean it's like i said people seem to be drawn to this house i'm not exactly sure why that is i'm sure part of it is the history i'm sure part of it is the ghosts.
0: definitely the ghosts (laughs) (laughs) thank you sharon Uh uh-huh bye-bye great bye-bye Thanks again, Sharon, for that wonderful tour of the McPike Mansion. Now, I suppose it's possible, likely even, but some of you listeners may find the siren song of the McPike Mansion too strong to resist. Well, there's good news. You don't have to break into the place. You can just use that searchy thing on your phone, and you'll find the McPike Mansion and a way to contact Sharon to set up a tour. There's also some cool merch on her website, so maybe buy a koozie or something. Let's see if we can get Sharon off that Bread and Water Wednesday routine. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed that first episode in our second annual Halloween series on the Outskirts podcast with Tanner and friends. Please rate, review, like, and subscribe so you can be notified when future tales drop. As far as the Halloween series goes, you can look forward to more haunted mansions, your own personal ghost tour through the most haunted small town in Texas, one man's remarkable prolonged battle with a demon, and a really creepy Ouija board story as well as a few others. So stay tuned, and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, friends. This episode of the Outskirts Podcast with Tanner and Friends was brought to you in part by Felix's Halloween Candy X-Ray Wand. Many of you will remember the Halloween Candy Scare of 1974. Some of you perhaps are still traumatized from that sacrilegious crime spree that not only forced kids to think twice before indulging in their hard-won booty, but left many parents in the difficult position of weighing the cost-benefit of the night altogether. We may never know the full impact on kid quality of life resulting from that desecration of the sacred Hanian candy. But now, thanks to Felix's Halloween candy x-ray wand, those fears can be put to bed, along with little Johnny, After he's had a belly full of candy, here's how it works. When little Johnny comes home, pillowcase stuffed full of high fructose goodness, you just spread his candy out on a non-metallic surface and pass the wand over the top. And if you don't hear any beeps, you're in the clear. And what about the radiation from the x-ray wand? Well, no need to worry. Felix's Halloween candy x-ray wand is actually just a modified stud finder with nail and wire alerting features. Why didn't I think of this? Now, on that note... Felix's Halloween Candy X-Ray Wand is not recommended for candies with foil wrappers, nor does the wand detect toxins or poisons of any kind. Thanks, Felix's Halloween Candy X-Ray Wand. Ah! Throw it out! Throw it out! Ah!